Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We're going to discuss the Unity episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so that you amazing, awesome leaders who are listening to this can help people who've been hurt by this topic. And Pastor Jonathan here with Pastor Joel. What's up, hey. Pastor Joel? Oh, I'm just reeling on that episode. I think it's it's one that you and I are both passionate about because we've seen the devastating effects of the opposite of unity. I was not expecting to go down the gossip road, um, but it makes sense that all you know those, all of those abominations impact unity. Right. Every single and, one of them. And so much of it, the result is disunity and the cause of disunity being spreading false information that's yeah it shows you the heart god has for unity and how much he despises people who are intentionally distracting people from unity and causing division wow unfortunately you and i have actually confronted pastors about this in the past more often than I would have cared to. Yeah. And more often than not, actually, I'll even say this. No, every time the letting them know that gossiping, that bearing false witness, sowing seeds of discord, letting them know that those behaviors are abominations to the Lord has not been enough for these pastors to stop the sin of whispering yeah what it what has stopped people from whispering now we've yet to also like we don't have a lot of experience with people confessing and repenting from this but we have had success with at least confronting the people guilty of these abominations we've we've had success in helping them stop the bad behavior And the only way we've been able to do that is by letting them know not only is it an abomination to the Lord, but it also breaks the laws of the land, the law of defamation, the same characteristics of the, of the sin of whispering is the same characteristics of the laws in the state of Wisconsin of defamation. That's, what tends to be the thing that stops these pastors from whispering is finding out that they're breaking the laws of the land that they could potentially hypothetically even get sued, mm. lose their stuff uh-huh. is what stops them from gossiping. Wow. Which begs the question, who do they fear more man or God? Because it's not enough to tell these people it's an abomination to the Lord. But it is enough to say you might lose your church building if you do this. That you're breaking the state law. That, yeah. But that, so the reason this is, this is in our unity episode is because gossip really is counterfeit community. People. Right people unifying over secretly detracting against other people. 
we can feel unified over it. We can feel like what we're talking about is the truth. We can feel right about it to the point where if we get confronted in it, you're the one causing trouble. Mm. You're the one causing division when you confront me. So every time we've confronted these pastors, the multiple pastors we've confronted about this, Mm. it ends up feeling like the whole narrative of the of the story is flipped where we become the bad guys oh 100 when all we're doing is trying to follow the words of jesus and when we've been trespassed against by a brother we confront them in it man people don't like confrontation and we're just trying to and you know again understanding versus agreement we're just even how we confront is in love we're doing it through questions we're trying to just understand as much as we can and it's disheartening the response we see more often than not it's what's the opposite of edifying whatever that word is destroying yeah it's just disheartening it really is so uh, how, isn't unity supposed to feel good right away? Doesn't that feel, isn't that, isn't unity supposed to be settling right away? Like, shouldn't it, that's, uh, it hasn't been. So my question for you is that why doesn't it feel that way? Because I feel like when I become unified with God, I I mean, it's a pretty incredible experience, you know, people's salvation stories. And now we are more unified with people. Right. Or I'm sorry, more, more unified with God, but with other people, it just feels like oftentimes it's, it's painful, but shouldn't it, shouldn't it feel settling? Like, shouldn't it be like, Oh yes, we're all together. Like, Oh, it's so good. Like, shouldn't it, like, I'm, and I'm just curious why it doesn't. I think it does just not the process of getting to the unity is what is painful. Mm. But for instance, earlier in, in the, what the fuck episode, yeah, you had this profound moment. I believe you were hearing from God inspired by his grace to see, Oh, Wow. Every episode we've ever done proves there's not unity in the church. Yeah. Because there's a strict and loose side, right? Right. And my response was, wow, I didn't see that. That's great. So we had a moment where there was a gap of understanding. You shared something with me. I understood you. And the result was now we both, we both come into agreement over. Yeah, this is really cool. Like, we can point back to every conflict that deals with church damage is an area of disunity. Mm-hmm. Did that feel settling to you? Every, the, like what, the moment you and I had with each other, were you settled oh, over I, like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. That felt great. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Right. I think that's how it is all the time with people. Huh? But it took a process for us to land there. So, cause I'd be, I'd wonder, like, I would want to know more what you mean by 
why is it so painful to have unity with these people when you've actually experienced the unity? Yeah, I think because because in my opinion, hmm. the painful stuff is all the stuff, all the work it takes to get to that point. But once you get there, like who's the person you're unified with, PJ, that it's so painful to be unified with? No, no one. Uh, it's all uh, yeah, the people that I'm not unified with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I'm. I'm struggling to think. Like, but so that's why we really. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it sounds. It sounds easy. Understanding versus agreement. It's not easy. It's simple. It's simple. It's a simple step one, Pastor Jonathan. When you go and talk to these people that have sinned against you, just focus on understanding them. Oh, that's so simple. That's all I have to remember. But I'll tell you what, when you're in the moment talking to these people who are coming after you, who are negating you, who aren't listening to you, mm -hmm. and who are, their entire goal just seems to prove you wrong, even if your intentions are, I want to be unified with this person, I want to come to an agreement, but I have to understand them. That's never easy. That process is painful. Mm -hmm. especially when you're interacting with people that you're are very different from you. I think the more different we are, the more painful that coming into unity can be. Yeah. But once it happens, Oh, cause we have some amazing stories too. And no, we we've uh, talked about sin of whispering and how devastating it's been, but we do have some amazing stories of confession and repentance with other churches and pastors and, and just people in our lives where the, the pain we're experiencing and all the damage ahead of time. Yeah. It's painful, but the process of walking through that confrontation of walking through understanding one another, and then the result being this repentance where there is this repair that happens and this unity is just glorious. You and I have experienced it in our own lives with each other. Oh, I mean, we've shared the story of the big, almost falling out you and I had that was really painful right the process for you and I to to become unified was really painful but the moment that we finally did understand the cause of the issue and the moment we moved towards agreement in how can this be fixed it was immediately settling and and I, I think a joyful experience for the both of us but why is it painful? It's painful because one, just pure, purely because we're unique. That in and of itself has an immense amount of tension with people and okay. some people more than others. So there is going to pain, like tension is, is a source of pain, right? And I think the more, you know, so uniqueness just in and of itself is this source of tension that we have to deal yeah. with. But then when you add on top of that sin, and when you add on top of that, people being in a destructive thought process or an animal thought process, you add on top of that, people being damaging or abusive, the tension increases, the pain increases, and then the process in which you have to go through to end up that the end to end up being unified with that person or persons again is going to be a lot more arduous of a of a process. It's going to be more painful. But I think unity in and of itself does like when, feel great. Like when you are finally unified, yeah. that the moment of unity. Yes. 
the process of getting there is the, painful. And I like that. The pro the process of unity is painful. Yeah. Being so what do we do? Is, That's yeah. which that explains why we want to skip the process and just try to make it happen. Yeah, in one step or let's skip just, the pain. Yeah, declare it, right? You know, Pastor Tater's Tower of Babel example. You think those people were feeling good about being unified? Yeah, they were. But the manner in which they did it was destructive. Right. So they end up experiencing the pain after. Because they unified over something wrong, the pain they experienced ended up being worse and after the unity. So we unify over the wrong thing and we unify as a step one, treating it as a cause. The result is we're probably going to be divided. Well, we're going to have to break apart with these people before we can come back together being unified over the right thing. Wow. And it's interesting because I'm thinking about the process of unity and how, and how we're all unique. Um, if I were to read this, you know, the Acts passage and look at all of those times that people were together there is an immediate loss of what I want to do. Ooh, yeah. There's an immediate something that I'm giving up. Yeah. So all that believed were together. So they were in a common venue. Right. So maybe some of them could have been in a venue that they didn't initially want to be in. Oh, I don't want to go to the temple today. Yeah, right? not this place. Yeah. And they were, they had all things in common. So that means that, you know, a, a common bathroom <laughs> right. means yeah. that we all They're share the sharing. bathroom. Sharing. So what does that mean? It's not my bathroom. This is a common. Oh, a common area. It's an a area we all use. Area. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Right. And that means, yeah, we're all, we're all sharing this. This is our toothbrush. Right. This is our, <laughs> this is our food. Yeah. Yeah. Don't write your name on that container of leftovers. That's our food. Yeah, yeah dude. Okay. A, There's pain in that. Yeah. There is. There's this immediate loss. So we go back to the pastors and them being motivated by giving up their stuff. Yeah. That these people, the Acts 2 church, that they, they, they didn't own stuff. Right. It was we. And yeah. the immediate result of how did we get all of this stuff? I gave up my stuff. Yeah. So what is that initial process? That initial process was a loss of me having stuff. And that's right with this understanding versus agreement, because it is a painful step to start in the position where I'm trying to understand you, because everyone wants to be understood as a first step. So if we give up control over that, we give up what we want to understand the other person, mm -hmm. there's pain there. There's mm -hmm. a lot of tension. Yeah. And it makes more sense too. I'm glad you brought the pastors up on the strict side, because it also makes more sense now why there's this tendency towards just becoming a, an authority figure, a boss, a bully. Because 
there is a lot of pain for even that pastor, for anybody to give up what they want as a first step and to try to try to be a leader as yeah. a first step. Yeah. I gave up my life for ministry. I sacrificed my right. business or my calling of, you know, all of my stuff. Right. So now I feel entitled to tell you what to do because I gave up this. So now you need to give up this. Yeah. So what is, can you give us a, now that we're on that topic, give us an overview of that strict and loose side. Yeah. The strict side is just do it, do it, do these behaviors and we'll be unified do, or it's the pastor, the, the leader, the, the authority figure, just saying, do what I tell you to do. If we all just believe what I believe, do what I say, we'll be unified. And the loose freedom side is we're already unified. Like there's nothing you have to do. And, and in fact, when you confront people on this side, you're the one causing division. So remember the, the loose side, the freedom side, and what we call it in the Malk podcast is the side. It's really, it's really easy to categorize this side as I don't want to cause any pain. Right. I don't want to cause any tension on you or on me. I don't want, you know what, if we're going to play good cop, bad cop, I'm always good cop. Where the strict side is, you know, what we, what I thought was great, what we said in what the flock was this, it's what most people term as legalism. So basically if you need to know what's the strict perspective or the, limitation side of the conjunctive on any of these topics and you're just trying to figure it out for yourself one of the questions you could ask yourself is well what would what would i consider being the legalistic perspective like that's a common church term people understand a legalistic church tends to be what we're defining as the strict side and how they handle these topics and it is this just effort just do the thing make the effect happen it is treating the unity as a step one and not first recognizing we need to take a step back and really be unified. We'll all be unified together when we're unified with God. Yeah, man. It's interesting because as we learn this, as you and I have learned this information and as we've learned more of these ultimate answers and the truth that is God's, not ours. Right right? We don't own this. Nope. We did not invent this. Nope. These are just discovered principles that God, that God owns, that God gives to those who are humble and are an absolute disaster and keep going to him for the answers. Right. We, uh, we get answers because we crashed and burned and we keep were... Digging we keep digging and we yeah. keep we keep trying to have our heart be in this place and ourselves be in this place of uh of our dependency upon god increasing as time continues right but as we've pursued god more why is it that you like that people in our lives seem to you know, be again, more offended by us. 
there's people that are more offended and we've we've seemed to lose a lot of people in our life did has jesus ever talked about that because it seems like if i were to be following god he would bring unity in my life and my influence and my impact and those who understood me and that I would understand would increase. And that's not been my experience. And it sometimes makes me feel like I'm doing something that's wrong. Yeah. Or that I'm a, uh, you know, I'm not a nice person. I used to be a nice person and now I'm not anymore. And yeah. I need some help. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, we've seen a lot of people, this happened to us and, and everybody we help. The restoration process is based in truth, it's doctrine, it's God's, and it works because truth works. One of the ways you know whether, like, one of the ways you can know that you don't have the truth is whatever you're doing to to grow, is it working? Then it's not truth or you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Because truth works when you apply it to your life, right? Nice. Yeah, definitely. So assuming, you know, what we see is, you know, every time somebody comes towards us and needs help and they're humble, we give them the right information. It works. And these people grow and that immediately becomes a source of tension with everybody in their realm, in their like circle of influence, yeah. including family, friends, coworkers, etc. Yeah. And it can be, it's a source of tension and, and it can, and really it can as, as a first step or in the short term, it can feel like you're becoming more divided, right? This person, all of a sudden, if you're both walking this path, this person all of a sudden cranked up to a hundred miles an hour and they're way ahead of you now, mm-hmm. we're further apart. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you're experiencing And this for the people who aren't growing. When you interact with a person who is a person who all of a sudden is experiencing joy and purpose and, and growth in their life, it is a confrontation. It is an unconscious confrontation. Every time you're interacting with that person, whether we want to or not, it is causing us to ask ourselves, how am I doing in my life? Why am I not like that? How am I growing? And if we don't like the answer to those questions, it's easy to judge that person as they're the one that's wrong. Everything was great. Our marriage was fine. Church was good. The family was, you know, getting along. And then this person learned this new information and started doing this other stuff. They're the ones who are wrong. Mm. So that's basically a picture of what you're explaining to me, right? Yeah, totally. And it can, oh, it can feel like you're the wrong person when you're the one growing and everybody around you is telling you, you've changed. Yep. Implying for the, for the worse. You're right. So I want, man, we need a community who understands truth and who understands growth, who can continue to lift you up in those moments. Cause that's the parable of the sower all over the place where it's like, yeah, the, mm. the seed planted and grew fruit, but it got snatched away. Mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's because that person wasn't around you know that person was around right. people who deceived them and and took them out 
But Jesus talks about this. And this is one of those verses. You don't see this taught very often because it's pretty controversial. And it remi- I was reminded of it when Pastor Tater called because he had this perspective that he shared that division's always wrong. Mm. What about this? Matthew chapter 10. This is Jesus. Verse 34 through 39. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now we recognize verses 38 and 39, right? We love quoting those. Take up your cross, follow me. How often do we hear people teaching that Jesus came to cause division among these families? Oh, come on. But the answer is there. It was, which is what was really interesting about your story with Pastor Jake. Was what that pastor said to Pastor right. Jake of you're going to destroy right. this family. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Was he confessing that Jake was speaking the words of Jesus towards his family? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> because yep. that's what Jesus Jesus literally said that. Especially because we because I know what Pastor Jake was confronting this pastor in mm. and his his members in. I actually do know Jake was bringing truth to the situation. And this family could have used some division because what they were unified over was gossip. But the answer is right here. So verses 34 through 36 are the ones that are really tough where it's like Jesus came to bring a sword. Jesus is going to set a man against his daughter, mother, like all the, He's going to bring enemies of your own household. But verse 37 is the key. He gives the answer that we said in the What the Flock episode. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Hmm. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So the key here is this. We, we're unified when we love God, when we love Jesus, when we love the Holy Spirit, take direction from the Holy Spirit. That's how we have unity. Focus on God. Be unified with God. We'll be unified with other people who are unified with God. Hmm. What Jesus is saying here isn't I'm on purpose causing division. It's really a reflection of you'll be divided when you're given truth because of how people respond to truth. So some people in your family will respond to the truth by going to the father and being unified with the father. And some people will not. Right. And that's why I think, I mean, I wonder if he even used the word sword, um, not only literally in his story, but, or in his example, I'll bring not peace, but a sword, but also it's like the word of God, like truth. Yeah. Where what this means is Jesus is going to, everything he says is from the father. He's going to preach truth. 
how we respond to it is going to prove whether or not we love him and are worthy of him or not. Wow. So he's not intentionally trying to cause division in families, but he did bring division as an effect because he came and brought truth and really present. And basically it's basically it's our choice whether or not we're unified. Hmm. Jesus brought truth. He gave us the way to be unified. Our choice or our response to that will determine whether or not we are unified with other people. That's the answer right here is those who love and really it's, I mean, yeah, it's confrontation, but we should love the father. We should love Jesus more than we love any earthly people, whether we're related to them or not. Hmm. So here's a great verse where Jesus says he brought the vision, but really he brought you he brought the key for us to be unified. Right. That's what's so crazy about that verse. It right. sounds like you brought your, you brought a sword. Well, the sword immediately, you know, that truth comes and it ought to cause every person to focus on God first. Right not on each other first. Right. So if you think about it, like we all have, let's say there's like this, uh, man, I want to say a po power outlet. Okay. And we plug how we're all connected is we can plug, we all have an outlet in us and we can plug our power cord into other people to be connected with them. So all of these people are a, a group, my family, Yep. Your family, we all have our power cords plugged into each other. Jesus comes, brings that message and says, I want you to plug your power cords into me. Yeah. And step one is all of us that unplug, yeah, unplug from each other <laughs> and plug into God. Yeah. And there we is that. We are all divided. Yeah. We've all been divided. Yep. And now all of a sudden... God goes, okay, now that you're all plugged into me, I'm going to give you plugs to each other. Yeah. An ever, I'm going to Which give you an, everla then, right? A, right, an everlasting plug. Yeah. And it's that, that energy we get, that source of power from his divine influence in and through our lives towards one another. Yeah. But so we need to all... be, but we need to be all plugged into the same source in order for that to happen. And when we're all plugged in, so here, so this is amazing about Babel then. Babel is the ultimate example in the Bible of people being perfectly connected to each other in their own strength. Yeah, yep. That's the ultimate example. What does this look like? It looks like, you know, the, uh, the super villain version of being unified right where it's being unified to do the, like what pastor tater's saying their plan not god's yeah. plan yeah and so that's god's like that will end in destruction and if god didn't step in and break that up because he literally did right he yep. divided yep. the languages what would have happened is all of those people would have been destroyed. So the yeah. act of changing the language is what 
showed mercy on the people yeah to be able to not you know destroy themselves so rapidly that's cool that's another way i wasn't looking at this because it is this you know g because i'm looking at it like jesus is going to bring truth the effect is there's going to be division and unity it all depends on our response nice and that's true but i like what you're saying because i'm seeing it from a different way too it's like wait a minute I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring division first because you're all connected to the wrong power source. (laughs) Right. Then I'm going to get, but, but with that division is going to come right following right behind it is the answer to what you do all need to connect to so that you can be unified once again under the right cause. So it is this like, you know, God, God's the creator, right? He has to destroy in order to create short term. You know, you got to build a house. You got to break up the ground and, you know, pour the cement foundation before you build the, before you build the house. Yep. To get muscles. It's the same way, right? Yep. Break your muscles down before they get bigger. Yep. God works the same way. It's all the principles of creation here. It's, these families are unified over being an earthly family. They're unified over being over something tangible. Yeah, they have the, the same, same blood. Right. Right. Same last name. Yep. Same house. Yep. We're in the right. same house. Brothers, parent. Yep. Uh-huh. Jesus comes with a sword to divide that. And then gives them the right, you know, basically gives them the great, the greatest of the commandments. Do this. And then you'll be unified the right way. Amazing. So he wants unity. He wants it so much. He'll cause division in the short term. Mm. And that's a great measure for someone who truly cares. Do you care enough? Do you care enough to uh, bring that division? And honestly, I think about, as we pursue the truth, we need to cut away our flesh. Our flesh needs to die, like the verse says, right? Pick up your cross. You got to lose your life to find it. It's yeah. like all of this death, all of this disunity, all of this loss, all of this brokenness in order to grow, to be unified, to have life. It's amazing. Man, thanks. I, thanks for your, ex- your explanation. Help me understand this verse better. That's amazing. Thanks for cool. teaching me. Yeah, dude, this is, this is a blast. Can we go through those categories of how you look at the church relative to people's self-esteem? Sure. The three categories, according to self-esteem, the low self-esteem people tend to be the ones that are deceived, focused on effects. They may not even be, they may not even want to know the right answer. You know what? I finally have the ability to rationalize away my life and all my bad thing you know jesus is in control i gave it all to him now i'm part of this church i'm part of this christian family i'm good because i don't really want to do any self-reflection low self-esteem people tend to want to look externally for the answers to their problems yep mid self-esteem is the people who are strong enough to leave after being bullied nice whether they confront the bully or they just recognize, you know what? I'm just not going to interact with the bully anymore. 
And it is bullying for me to sit in a church that the pastor is telling me I need to do what he's telling me to do without giving me the explanation behind why and what the value, the unique value it would be for me to do that thing. Not how it benefits him. That does take a mid self-esteem. There is a a level of of self-confidence a person needs to be able to walk out of a bad situation. And then the high self-esteem person, someone with high, high self-confidence and who God created them to be. I mean, part of that is understanding their uniqueness, being confident in that uniqueness to the point where they don't have to try to be other people. I don't have to be like you, Jonathan. Right. I want to be more like me. I want you you to be more like you. Totally. The more different we become, the more unified we are because we value each other in the things that we don't carry with us. It's incredible. (laughs) 100%. It's so crazy. Again, it's another picture of that. Oh, it is. We're so different and and it makes us more unified. Oh, it's so great. We have become more different in the years we've, we've, worked and and lived with one another and have been friends and and we are closer more closely knit together more things in common more singleness of heart yes more of one accord with each other it is that it's a seeming it's a seeming paradox but it is Mm -hmm. explainable you can't understand it but it seems counterintuitive again unity through uniqueness yeah yep and then the more unique, the more potential for unity. Amazing. So, and finally, can you give us the ultimate answer one more time? Yes, it's unity happens through uniqueness. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.